0: The Leadership File, on Premier. Welcome to The Leadership File, the show that aims to help you change the way you lead. I'm Andy Peck. This week, I welcome back to the show Bruce Collins, Bruce was born in South Africa. He's lived in the UK since 1978, initially working as a chemical engineer and marketing manager before being ordained into the Church of England in 1983. He served for 12 years as the team rector of the Roxeth team ministry in Harrow uh, and then was with New Wine as their overseer of the New Wine International Networks before becoming part of the management team of New Wine Comrie. That's Wales, where he has been since 19, since 2007. He's the author of the, uh, the book uh, Jesus' Gospel, Jesus' Way uh, and also the book Prophesy. In the last show, we looked specifically at helping a church transition from what we might call traditional church to one that's more open to the exercise and the kind of ministry that we see Jesus exercise within the Gospels. This week, I want to look particularly at healing, looking in more detail at some of the challenges we find in looking at seeing people healed in all aspects of their lives. So, Bruce, welcome back to the Leadership File.
1: Thanks,
0: Andy. Uh, Terrific to to chat with you again. And so we looked in the previous show at a a church being open to the Spirit's ministry. I realise we're just narrowing down on one particular uh, tool of the Spirit's uh, working among us, and that is the the, the work of healing. Um, But uh, uh, you you said last time, you know, your belief is that... uh, Uh, That all local churches can see the ministry that Jesus exercised in the Gospels in their in their ministry, too
1: Yep Uh, It's absolutely essential that um, We understand what Jesus was doing uh, his whole approach to preaching the good news of the kingdom why he healed why he delivered uh, and did the things that he did um, because it's all part of the inbreaking of God's future kingdom into our present
0: so I mean classically church has has said you know trust in Jesus sins will be forgiven and you'll go to heaven when you die um, and and you know in the meantime you know keep your noses clean uh, you know seek seek to live as, as, as best you can and uh, you know, and and our job is to to preach that truncated message to people as well, so they can join us in heaven. But your message, obviously, is is, a, is that you know Christ is looking to lead His church in power and and triumph in this present age ahead of that time when He takes us to heaven.
1: Yeah, and it's to continue what He inaugurated amongst us. And I want to stress here because some people feel that when we preach the gospel as Jesus did. Uh, that his cross and resurrection aren't important. Uh, I really want to stress here that we could only have the kingdom of God back in this world again because Jesus died on the cross for all our sins but for that we could never have a reconciliation with God or be born again into the kingdom of God, be filled with the Spirit and enabled to minister the kingdom as Jesus did. And uh, also the greatest sign in all human history that our God reigns, that the kingdom of God is superior to all other kingdoms, is Jesus' resurrection, where the Father raised Jesus gloriously from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is God's statement in human history as a done deal, that uh, he triumphed even over death itself, our worst enemy and uh, so it's that's the faith of the church It's the the cornerstone of of the church's beliefs So jesus the father raised jesus gloriously from the dead and so his death on the cross is the key to open the door to the kingdom being restored into this world jesus rest the power that raised jesus from the dead is that power which jesus himself used to do his ministry but then was poured out on the church uh, from pentecost onwards Um, and we're about the business as jesus taught us to pray your kingdom come your will be done on earth now as it already is in heaven and that incident is why jesus healed there are no sick people in heaven so when all the sick who came to him who managed to get to him and ask for healing or deliverance for that matter he never turned them away they received it and so jesus didn't also say to his disciples, heal one or two or three people to prove that the message is true, even though that's a thoroughly valid role for signs and wonders to authenticate the person and work of Jesus and the truth of his word. But it goes beyond that. The Lord said to the 72, for example, when you enter a town or a village, heal the sick who are there. It's not heal one, two or three. It's heal the sick who are there. So, for example, when Paul was uh, shipwrecked on Malta, and he heals the uh, centurion or local, Publius's father-in-law i think it was of a serious condition um, then the rest of the sick of the island came and asked for help and they were all healed no one got left out and uh, it's perfectly in line too with what jesus taught us uh, ask and you will receive for everyone who asks receives
0: now I guess most most ministers and most churches would would say yeah we pr- we pray for people to be healed and uh, it would you know if if, if the, sometimes there's a list of people who are sick and we pray for them but I guess there's a there's a difference between kind of that the prayer if it's your will lord and and we don't really expect anything to happen prayer <laughs> uh, and what yep. you're saying which is a c- command, that we have the authority in Jesus' name. So perhaps you could just expand that a little bit for us.
1: Yeah. I I think, first of all, there's a major misconception prevalent in the church today, and I think it's been around for a long time. And it'll take me a moment to explain this. Because in creation, when God created human beings in his own image and likeness and gave human beings, those first human beings, The charge to be responsible for the exercise of his kingdom on earth rule over the fish of the sea the birds of the air over every living creature on the ground over all the earth human beings from creation were entrusted by god to be responsible for the exercise and outworking of what always is his kingdom not ours And even though, after the fall, um, we lost relationship with God, we lost the Holy Spirit, uh, and so on, and then God had to show the world the kingdom in old covenant form, just a foreshadowing of the reality that was to come in Jesus, Uh, nevertheless, God never changed his mind about that arrangement. For example, in 1 Samuel 15, as I was reading again this morning, God is not like a man, that he would change his mind. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans 11, verse 29, God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. They can never, ever be changed. And that's why, for example, the the basis of the final judgment for all human beings is, did you embrace me as your king, embrace my kingdom in your life, and want to live... Uh, with me and live out my will in your life by my grace and help the help of my spirit or did you scatter by resisting me rejecting my kingdom and not living the way that I, I call you to live with me and uh, that's the, here's the big thing that because that arrangement with humanity could never be changed Even when God himself had to come amongst us after the failure of his old covenant people to be light for his kingdom to the Gentiles, had to be sent into exile, when God the Son, the very second person of the Holy Trinity, came to live amongst us, he could not lay aside his divine identity. Before Abraham was, I am. He's the true Son of God, but nevertheless, in regard to how he withstood temptation and sin how he ministered he chose to do that as one of us honoring the arrangement that he made with us in creation never changing that and that is why for example you'll see in jesus life as recorded amongst us that he never did any miracles until he was baptized filled with the holy spirit uh, and equipped with the gifts of the Holy Spirit to do his ministry as a man, although he's true God from true God as well, choosing to lay aside his divine glory, as Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2. Um, so to be found just like one of us. So when he was challenged, yes, he would say, it is as you say to to uh, the high priest or to Pilate when he said, are you the king of the Jews? He never denied his true identity, and when he said before, Abraham was, I am, or I am the resurrection, the life, the true vine, etc., he is saying quite plainly who he was, but the way he chose to do his ministry was to empty himself of his divine advantages over us uh, and to, to minister in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. First of all, being absolutely true to the arrangement he made with us at the very beginning, but secondly, in order that he would be a model for us. Now, there is another unique difference between Jesus and us, because, humanly speaking, from conception, in his mother's womb, in Mary's womb, he was the new man from conception. That's why the the doctrine of the virgin birth is so, so primary and important for the Christian faith. So Jesus, humanly speaking, never needed to be born again. He grew up in this conscious awareness of his relationship with the Father, his identity in the Father. But nevertheless, uh, for example, at his baptism at the River Jordan, uh, the Father affirmed him through a phenomenal experience, the Spirit coming upon him as a dove, the Father, a voice from heaven speaking, you are my son, my beloved, chosen, precious one on whom my favor is fixed jesus needed to hear that in his humanity because and here's a mystery for us he too needed to know his identity in the father by faith just as we have to and uh, So, for example, he was then immediately led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tested, to be tempted. Well, James chapter 1 teaches us that God cannot be tempted, because there's nothing in the holy nature of God that the devil could ever appeal to with any of his temptations. Jesus was being tempted in the wilderness as a human being, and in fact the way he withstood those temptations was not to say, buzz off Satan, I'm God, you're wasting your time, But to actually say to him, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, he used the sword of the Spirit, the word of God quickened by the Holy Spirit to identify what these temptations were and to deal with them. As a model for you and for me, he dealt with these things as a man through the supernat- supernatural enabling of the Holy Spirit. And Luke is quite clear. He returned to Galilee after this testing in the power, and in brackets, the gifts too, of the Holy Spirit. He sat down in the synagogue in the um, Nazareth to say the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, quoting from Isaiah 53, uh, for he has anointed me to preach this good news to the poor. I'm doing it in the gifts and power of the Holy Spirit. And here's a mystery for us, but he had to do it, humanly speaking, by faith. He's the author as well as the perfecter of our faith. He's the the role model for all of us. Now, when you understand that, then you understand that actually accessing the resources of heaven to heal the sick and so on is always a partnership it's all from god apart from me jesus said you can do nothing apart from god none of us can heal the sick or do any of those supernatural things but um, nevertheless when we're in christ and through faith access the gifts and power of the holy spirit we can do what jesus did in fulfillment of his promise anyone who believes in me will do the same things as i've been doing But we access these things by faith just as Jesus modeled to us, humanly speaking, in his own walk on on this earth 2,000 years ago. And many leaders don't understand that. So, for example, when you minister healing, it's perfectly good to intercede for the sick when you're not with them. But when you're ministering to people, we need to invite the Holy Spirit to come upon them, make sure they want this healing from the Lord, because some people don't for whatever reason, but then learn to take up the authority that's ours in christ's name as ambassadors of christ and actually tell those conditions to change after the model of jesus himself and you see this in the early church peter the first recorded healing in the acts of the apostles with a man at the gate beautiful who's lame he, peter said silver and gold have i none but what i have jesus living and with within me by my by his spirit i say to you take up your bed and walk that was not a prayer it was a kingdom command to reveal the dynamic presence and activity of the kingdom of god and still i find as i go all over the place i find leaders with uh, and i don't want to knock their hearts they pray in sincerity with love for the people they really want people healed but they keep begging God to do something which the Lord, through his death on the cross, his resurrection, the outpouring of the Spirit, has made available to the, to the church, see, where he says, no, you heal the sick, you cast out the demons, uh, you go and care for the hungry and the poor, and so on. We do it in his strength, his gifts, but we must do it. If we don't preach the gospel, the gospel doesn't get preached. So it's an essential partnership, and for our part, it's accessed by faith.
0: Well, you're listening to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Bruce Collins. We'll be back just after this. Welcome back to Leadership File with me, Andy Peck. I'm joined this week by Bruce Collins. Uh, Bruce is the author of, of books Prophesy and Jesus Gospel, Jesus Way. He's part of the management team of New Rhyme Cymru in Wales. Uh, uh, Bruce, before, before the break, was giving us a, a kind of masterclass in theology in the background of, of, uh, of understanding of healing, uh, in the context of, of us being image bearers and in the context of of us being joined to Christ and being in Christ and of Christ's uh, uniqueness as, as um, fully God and, and fully man. So thank you, uh, Bruce, for kind of laying the foundations for us. Uh, and uh, I, I do urge uh, listeners to listen back and uh, to work that through in their mind and maybe to take notes. That was just a masterclass. So thank you. Um, so, having having got this kind of foundation of of who we are in Christ and of 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 Christ's desire to be a, a work in and through us and to uh, to for the church to be a, a healing church, so talk about the, some of the practicalities of how you how you might as a leader um, see see healing prayer taking place.
1: Um, first, you do need to prepare your church, as I was saying in the first interview with you. Um, you need to prepare the way by laying clear biblical foundations for these things. Secondly, it's always good to invite a leader with a team uh, from another church to come and to share their testimony, because testimony, honest testimony, is really important, um, and to minister and to model the ministry, and especially those who will do it in this naturally supernatural way, being very simple, low-key No hype or fuss about it. So that your people in the church can actually see something really wholesome being modeled and see people get healed. Um, And then or take some of your core leaders to another church to see it happening elsewhere. One of the things I will mention here that we've started in Wales where we see healing happen at Every single meeting, sometimes we have better meetings, some there are not so many healed, but we are seeing healing at every single meeting, at so-called healing cafes that we've launched, where uh, church members invite people who are outside church life but have a need for healing, or their child does, but to come to these gatherings, they're completely informal, usually not in a church setting at all, coffee, tea, muffins, good eats, tables and chairs, cafe style, and somebody really good at welcoming people then then a short uh... A short testimony is usually filmed from healings from the past healing cafes uh... and particularly for people who are not christians giving their uh, testimonies and and showing their astonishment at what jesus had, had done for them and then um... a short talk based on jesus one of the healing stories in the gospels always including his cross and resurrection Then leading out with words of knowledge for visible physical conditions, praying maybe for five, six people, the leader leading that. But people at the tables, standing alongside, uh, we ask people to stand if they respond to these words. And uh, we find people getting either partially healed or completely healed, just about every one of them. And as we roll it out to then with more words of knowledge or just an invitation if you've come here needing Jesus help Well, 99% of the people he healed simply came to him asking him for help And uh, we minister to them as well and we're seeing healing as I say happen at every one of these healing cafes Sometimes there are a lot of complete healings other times. It's obvious that things are happening, but they're not all complete It does vary um and we have learnt that the faith environment um and how you handle that fa- faith environment is actually quite important in terms of the freedom of the holy spirit to move
0: yes Bruce. i mean we, we might mention in in your book jesus gospel jesus way i i was particularly impressed with uh how you um well how god answered your question you know why why are we seeing do we see fewer healings in the uk compared to for example africa and india where you'd visited and he, and the insight about the, the faith atmosphere that even jesus himself it would seem on occasions faced you know the, the lack of belief which actually led to to less healing can you talk a little bit about faith atmosphere
1: yep it's it all comes from this fundamental understanding that God has delegated responsibility for the outworking of his kingdom to human beings. And that's not just to the Christians, it's to all humanity, because this was a creation ordinance. So in any place, um, you have some people who are really hungry for the kingdom to come. You've got others, maybe even in churches, who say, no, we don't like this sort of thing in our church and who may be resistant, in this dimension at least, of the Christian faith and ministry. And then you may have others who are just rampant skeptics, who sit with with not just folded arms, but uh, arms turned down at the elbows, because they just don't like it at all. And really, it's everyone present around the location of ministry that's affecting the freedom of the Holy Spirit to move. And so, for example, when Jairus came appealing to Jesus for help his daughter, for example, who's dying, uh, and Jesus gets to the house and she's already died, you see the Lord managing the faith environment. When the news first broke, he did not allow this negative news to get to his own human spirit, ignoring what they said. He didn't let it get to him. He turned to Jairus, who is the most important person on earth, spiritually speaking, together with this little girl's mother, Um, in regard to their child, and said, don't be afraid, just believe. I don't know what poor old Jairus could do with that, but nevertheless, the word of the Lord had been spoken into that situation. When he arrived at the house, he found a faith environment being, being loudly expressed. They were weeping, wailing loudly, for the simple reason that the girl, as far as they were concerned, was dead and was never going to come back again. So the Lord challenged it. He didn't ignore it, because the highest heavens belong to God, and I'm quoting Psalm 115 verse 16 now, but the earth is entrusted to humankind, to all people. So all the people around Jairus' house were affecting the freedom, for good or ill, of the Holy Spirit to move, and for as long as they believed that that child was not coming back, that was a negative faith environment and so when the lord said the little girl's not dead but asleep they laughed at him in other words they weren't willing to shift their position so his response was to put them all out to to separate the ministry from these people to get them further away and only then also did he take the girl's father and mother because they really wanted their daughter back desire which springs from love but also the best faith he could muster, not in quantity, but quality, where he went with his own faith and that of his three best disciples, Peter, James, and John. It must have been a bit of a shock to the other nine, where he did not even allow them, let alone the crowds, follow him to Jairus' household. So he was actively managing the faith environment. Uh, and you see, for example, as you go straight on into Mark six, after this episode recorded in Mark, that when he went to, to his own hometown of Nazareth, uh, they took offence at him, and he was unable. This is the Lord of glory himself. He was unable to heal more than a few sick people when he laid his hands on them. And if you go on to Mark eight, when a man is brought who's blind is brought to him in Bethsaida, he he'd been there before. He'd healed many people. But surprisingly, the Lord took him right outside town. It took the Lord two shots to get this man's eyes open, because he saw men as trees walking first. And then afterwards, he said, don't go home through that town. You'll lose your healing. And you get the key to understand this from Luke, for example, and Matthew, where Jesus said, Woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles I had done in you were done in Tyre and Sidon, Uh, they would have repented long ago. I came to you earlier, and I did all these miracles, but we're not told why, but they didn't receive Jesus or the kingdom. And so he didn't even attempt to open this blind man's eyes in Bethsaida, and after he'd managed to get them open, then he sent him home by another way. So faith environment is incredibly important, and I wasn't taught very much about this, I have to say. Uh, Although many leaders instinctively understand some of these things and build it into their practice, but I've learned now to try to seek the Lord for wisdom as to how he wants the faith environment to be addressed through testimony, through teaching of the Word of God, through the right timing of when you start ministry with with a, a given group of people. And that might be the first evening of a weekend conference, if they're right up for it, but others you've got to wait till Saturday evening or longer because they need more time to digest and come on board board with you Mm. so it it really is a very important issue and in places like Africa their faith environment is so uncluttered uncomplicated and they're so hungry to receive healing I'm telling you the truth when we say of people with visible physical conditions we'll see anything 70 80 90 percent the people we pray for get healed and I want to be honest there's still some who don't get healed and we don't always understand why
0: yeah yeah I, I think um i mean this this is the fear for many church leaders they think if i if i talk start talking about healing if i start encouraging expectation there's going to be the disappointment uh, it's better you know for, for the conservative lot well they don't really expect it anyway they're not disappointed they just they just say well god will do what god will do for those who really believe it then there's that sense of disappointment yeah. and, and maybe as we close you could just kind of speak to those who are perhaps listening to you and thinking hey this isn't for me
1: Well, first of all i want to say to leaders please do not protect your people from god because out of a loving desire to protect people from disappointment i've seen leaders do this many times secondly we need to lead our people and say this is about our learning how to access what god has already made available to us and yes we see through a glass darkly we know in part we prophesy in part we heal in part we have to learn to rejoice with those who rejoice when healing comes through and weep with those who weep when when healing doesn't come through and to live in absolute honesty not pretending anything, and particularly never putting somebody who's not healed under any kind of judgment or condemnation. Jesus never did it, we must never even inadvertently uh, imply that. Uh, We've got to love all our people. But I want to encourage leaders that when Jesus promises us, if you're faithful in small things, you'll be given more. And, you know, I would love to see 50% of every uh, one of the people I pray for get healed. Uh, that would be wonderful. I'd love it to be 100%, but let's suppose it was 50%, which is a lot better than you see typically. There'd still be one out of every two who are disappointed. So we've got to handle this issue and be mature about it. And for as long as we have a wrong theology that says, oh, well, maybe God didn't want to heal you, we will do damage. Whereas if we say, no, God wants you healed because he loves you, but it's about us partnering God uh, dealing with our doubts and that's a big subject which we haven't touched on today but uh, that as we deal with our doubts and and press in for more so we see more and more happening but I've got to be honest we, we're not going to see everybody healed this side of the Lord's return any more than any of us will lead an absolutely sinless perfect life uh, that's another reality that we have to live with in our lives and just stand strong in the grace of Christ and press on for more and more of the kingdom. And a warning to us from Jesus, anyone setting their hands to this kingdom plough and looking back to more comfortable days uh, and, and not wanting to press on is not fit for work in the kingdom of God. And yes, it does polarize with some people. You do get resistance. Jesus said, if they persecuted me for doing these things, don't be surprised if you get persecuted too. That's a reality that we have to face. And the fundamental question is, do we fear the Lord and want to obey him and his word more than we fear people and want to adjust for ourselves or for our congregations to a more comfortable life?
0: Well, Bruce, it's been uh, terrific to chat with you. Thank you for your enthusiasm and your insight. And as I say, I would encourage listeners to, to listen again and to uh, to think through and, and maybe take notes on some of the very helpful things you've said. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh, so you've been listening to The Leadership File with me, Andy Pecker, was joined this week by Bruce Collins. His, his books, again, uh, Jesus Gospel, Jesus Way and uh, Prophesy. Uh, and I'll make sure there's a link to that on the On Demand section of uh, The Leadership File um, website, or, on Premier's website. Uh, do log on uh, there and, and listen to to this again. And do uh, also um, join us again next uh, Sunday at 3.30. Thanks for tuning in.